Technically, you're the host, so... It... Yeah. All right, let me host us in. Uh, 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 uh. Hmm. Hello, uh, Corey. I have enough trouble with introductions already. Okay. Hello, everyone. Did you think... Oh. <laughs> Hello everyone, just... welcome to another episode of Tap Calf Transmissions, the only Star Wars podcast and the only Star Wars book club. Today we are discussing a very pleasant novel. It is Heirs of the Force, book one of the Young Jedi Knight series, a very simple and pleasant and a quick read for this week because we've all been very busy with the, uh, the last night's launch of Star Wars Squadrons. Isn't that right, young Corey? Uh, yeah, some of us were busy with the launch. Some of us were busy with launching the game. Uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was all epic. Mm -hmm. uh, and we did speak about recently how we wanted to make sure we were a bit more reliable with the podcast. So this week, even though we did have to delay it, the audio of your version should be out at the right time. We're, mm -hmm. we're professional now. Yes. Despite yeah, what that so, intro was, we're now professional. So for those who only listen on uh, like Spotify or iTunes or wherever, the, the audio podcast only, we usually will record this live on YouTube, but we kind of wanted to just get this recorded whenever we had a spare moment. So instead, we are throwing it up on Twitch. Right now, we've got a total of zero viewers. Oh, two viewers. 11, um, 13, 14, 15, 16. Okay. So, so like, come on, let's, let's show some faith. In what has been the best tap calf month in history? Yes, absolutely. Thank Prime you. Prime Minister Trudeau actually came out and gave a, a statement in support of uh, of tap calf transmissions. I literally His... thought you were about to say Prime Minister Trudeau has coronavirus. No, <laughs> not not yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thanks everyone, by the way, for all the support this month. It has been great. And if you do want to uh, help the podcast out more. Consider leaving a uh, a good review on iTunes or wherever else. I don't think we've gotten any other really quality text reviews, like any really funny ones since last time. No, none of the real bombastic reviews. Not to be confused yeah. with Bombastic's review, which was also quite negative. <laughs> he hates us. Oh, he yeah. He doesn't. He's a, he's, a, he's a great guy. Uh, do you want to talk about Squadrons for just a few minutes? Uh, did you get to play any multiplayer last night? I did. So I did the prologue basically twice because I ended up having to buy the game twice. But uh, mm -hmm. I'm all set up now. Mm -hmm. uh, but I I was having a lot of fun with it. I, I was afraid I'd be complete shit when I went from the prologue into multiplayer because uh, mm -hmm. chat was memeing on me pretty hard. But mm -hmm. uh, I did I did all right in my first couple games and then I took off my headset and I did even better because I was playing in VR uh, yeah. And I'm still struggling to get used to the to the HOTUS because I have a, a flight stick and I had the VR going on. Mm -hmm. And like, it's so, it's super surreal just being able to actually look around in games. It's like you grow up when, and you're playing like Super Smash Brothers or some shit. You'll start like leaning over or like trying mm -hmm. to look around corners. Well, yeah, it's exactly. like it doesn't do anything. But now it's like, oh, if I look down, I can see the vomit coming directly into my cockpit. <laughs> it, it's great. My uh, my mom used to say, like, when she'd watch me play Mario Kart or whatever as a kid, she'd get sick because I'd be, like, bobbing and weaving my body. like. <laughs> and it is the same, like, in in Squadrons, it, it, I, I played a bit with VR, too. It's like you get hit by the ion blast, and you're drifting dead in space, and you're, like, frantically looking around, like, oh, is anyone coming for me? Or, like, you do the drift, and you can kind of look your head and check where you're going to end up. It's really cool. Um, but you were saying, I think... you. It's kind of the same issue I have where it's like, it is a little hard on the neck, isn't it? Yeah, like I was actually fine. I thought I'd get nauseous or something, but I was fine with that. It was just, uh, if I, ha I had it on for like the first two hours mm -hmm. and I guess I haven't built up my neck strength since uh, since I was a kid. Like that was something I really focused on when I was a baby. The first two months of my life were really just <laughs> getting that core neck strength built up yeah, and yeah, I kind of let that go by the wayside recently. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's going to have to be something that I, I get back to. Well, I told you playing all of your video games lying down in your belly with your feet up in the air kicking was not the best uh, not the best idea, but here we are. <laughs> well, we have some breaking news here for the podcast. Uh, we were talking just now about how this is the best month for, uh, for the podcast so far. And uh, 
I actually just opened up our email to take a look at the questions for the episode. And we do have an email uh, from Chartable. Congratulations, TapCalf Transmissions is now ranked number 60 on the Apple Podcast TV and Film Chart in Hungary. So (laughs) you had me going there. I was like, oh, my God, really? Yeah. Thank you, you, uh... you, Hungary. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say number 60 overall. I was going to say that. No. Uh, well, we are the only Star Wars podcast. Yeah. With Squadrons, we are actually going to be playing uh, playing some Squadrons later. We're going to fill our boots with some gaming after yeah. this episode uh, over on X2 and Corey Loses. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll save the discussion there because this is probably going to be a shorter podcast overall. It's a really short book. I think I read it in about the space of 45 minutes tops. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how did you read it? Did you have a, um, a hard copy or did you read it on your Kindle or something? I, I have ebooks of all of them, but I've been trying to find paper copies. For anyone watching the video version of this, I'm going to try to... Hold on. I, Jesus. It's right... I have four of them right there, and I don't know where I'll be able to find the other 10. I think there's 14 of them or 13 of them. Is there that many? There's quite a few. Cause there's like there was only seven for some reason. No, that's Harry Potter. Oh. Different, different magical school. So wait, that wasn't Hagrid who Chewbacca dropped off. <laughs> Hagrid should have MTD, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's kind of racist. Uh, but yeah, there's even though this is a, a pretty simple book, a lot of introductions for characters. This is really our first introduction to a lot of the a characters of- who are going to be really important coming <laughs> up in Star Wars for the next. Who are just going to be demolished by fate. Yeah. Imagine Raynar Thule, or or he's just called Raynar in this, and then Google him. Yeah. (laughs) He turns into, like, basically king of the bugs for a bit. Yeah, in (laughs) ex-favorite Star Wars series. (laughs) But, like, like, yeah, Jaina and Jason have shown up in Star Wars books before, but they're not really characters, Maybe except for maybe the Corellian trilogy, but this is like the first time they get fleshed out as their own characters. The first time we see anyone caring about them, because usually they're with Han and Leia, who are famously just hate their kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, yeah, so what's kind of interesting about this is that the book takes place in what is it, 21 or 20 ABY around there? Yeah, they're Um, they're about what, 12, 10 to 12? Yeah, Yeah, so it'd be it'd be around there. But this book was released in 95, so there's actually a bit of a time, because I think this would have been released around the same time as Corellian Trilogy, and that is, mm-hmm. that's what, like, is that 15 or 16? Yeah. Or 18, maybe? But not not quite as far. There's a bit of a, a gap, like in 95 and 96, there's kind of some things released out of order, because I think, doesn't Black Fleet Crisis come before Corellian Trilogy in um, Timeline? Because I think that's a little earlier than Corellian. Yeah. Tr- yeah. So, bit of a bit of a jump here. Yeah, there's uh, a yeah. lot of time in the expanded universe that kind of gets uh, mm-hmm. left out between kind of the uh, Dark Empire and yeah. the Yuuzhan Vong War. There's only like maybe 10 books in that period other than mm-hmm. uh, the Young Jedi Knights, Junior Jedi Knight stuff, which isn't really super into the bigger galactic picture. Mm-hmm. Uh but it's like 15 years, 14, 15 years. So like Black Fleet yeah. Rises, Krillian Trilogy, uh, Hand of Thrawn Duology, and that's kind of it. Yeah, I'm looking at my copy. I've got like Before the Storm here. Oh, I'm just... Survivor's that one has a... Yeah, I guess that one doesn't have a timeline in because it's... it's no. Edition, but... I think it wasn't until like Delray stuff that they yeah, started I having that big... A, I thought it might have been a reprint, but it's not. Hmm. Um, yeah, so you're right. There, There's not that much in there but what is in there is pretty good i'm just looking mm-hmm. now so like there's there, so there's thrawn jedi academy the callista stuff crystal star black fleet um new rebellion corellian hand of thrawn and then we get fool's bargain and survivor's quest but yeah well a lot of, it's a lot more compressed in timeline so like there's mm-hmm. large gaps and then there's uh one or two years to get a lot of stuff happening yes. in them and like the five years before um the njo there's like nothing uh, yeah. Besides for Fool's Bargain and Survivor's Quest, which there's room for stories there. Um, but yeah. Yeah, luck is described I... in like source in uh, like the Essential Guide to Warfare or other books like that as like kind of 
more peaceful periods, a lot of restructuring going on, or just hunting down warlords in the deep core. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, it would have been a cool time for them to uh, for them to do like a, a Yuzhan Vong like prelude story, maybe like Nomenor. Like that would have been. I would have liked to see like a Nomenor uh, story. I guess. Really, but isn't all of Star Wars the story of Nomenor? I suppose. Yeah, it is. Good point. Most important character. Favorite character of many. He's got... Do you actually like Nomenor? I, I think he's got a fun arc. He Yeah, he's he's got a really interesting arc. I I usually hate... Because he kind of redeems himself at the end, doesn't he? I don't know about redeeming himself, but he's less of a shithead. Yeah. Uh, Does he kill himself? Is that what happens? I can't, I can't quite remember. I don't remember. I haven't made it that far in my reread, and it's been way too long since I've read... I think it's in mm-hmm. like, does he make it to unifying force even? Yeah, I think so. I thought I he thought died he like the final prophecy and then, but again, I have been way too long, but that, that'll that come. We'll have our whole Yuzon Vong war mm. year, year on the yeah. podcast. Yeah. Uh, some of the books are actually pretty short. I think we'd be able to compress a few into yeah. like week after week because we did that with like four in a row with the ones we just did. Mm-hmm. So if we did that with like Dark Tides together, uh, yeah. Force Heretic. Yeah, so I I definitely prefer the idea of instead of like combining multiple books, I like even for short books like this, I think it's still fun to kind of tackle it one by one. On uh, I don't mean combining them; I mean like doing them. Yeah, in no, a no. Row. I, I'm saying I like yeah. I like doing it in a row better because that way yeah. I don't know. Like even Han Solo, we probably could have done. We did do over three over three. Uh, yeah, three episodes, and I liked that. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I'll say before we get into this is that I'm also reading or listening to Allegiance right now, the old, mm-hmm. the old uh, like Galactic Civil War era Timothy Zahn book, and it's really good. Yeah, I haven't read that for ages. There's Allegiance. There's Choices of One. Is Choices of One an yeah. ebook or not an ebook? Uh, a short story or is that? No, I think no. it's a full book. I think it's a full book. Mm-hmm. It's like the sequel. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but. We have today heirs to the heirs of the force, heirs of the yes. to the force, yes. and uh, this is basically our first story with Jaina, Jason, and uh, their two best friends, Lobaka and Tanelka, uh, yes. at Luke Skywalker's Jedi Academy, which mm-hmm. we find out over the course of the book. Like, there's a lot of uh, there's a bit of other stuff that happens, but to me, the biggest takeaway was that there was actually no protocol droid there until MTD, who was sent yeah. there with Lobaka, uh, but. We kind of get an introduction to the characters, find out who they are. Uh, Jaina is given a hyperdrive to fix. They go mm-hmm. find a crashed TIE fighter from the Battle of Yavin, start fixing mm-hmm. it up, start installing the hyperdrive. Turns out the pilot's been living there for 20 years. Pilot mm-hmm. kidnaps Jaina and Jason. Uh, Tanelka and Lobaka run off. Lobaka loses the translator uh, MTD that he was given by Chewbacca and Han so that the other twins mm-hmm. could understand him. And mm-hmm. then... Uh, Han Solo flies in and fails to shoot down the TIE fighter. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of the synopsis. Kind of blew that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and that's not like a short synopsis. That's pretty much everything that happens. Yes. <laughs> uh, and these books are like, like these, these are younger, younger reader books. I, these are the first Star Wars books that I read. I know we kind of mentioned this earlier, but I'll include in the podcast description link a link to the, uh, cover I did for I think it was an elementary school class of my my uh, movie poster for Heirs of the Force um, or Heirs of the Jedi. Why do I always forget the name? It, yeah, Heirs, Heirs, Heirs of the Heirs of the Force. Um, I did a, a movie poster for it back in the day. Actually, it might not have been this book. It was one of the books in the series. I think was it Shadow Academy? Shadow, I think it was Shadow Academy because that's the one that's got the actual Shadow Shadow Academy itself. I think. yeah, um, which is fun, but. Yeah, these books are these books are interesting because it's funny how much is drawn from them, um, and then like especially this and Junior Jedi Knights too, and then like how these characters are just like fate just absolutely dumps on them. Yeah, like th- this is the only happy moment of their lives. So like, enjoy these few years. Yeah, <laughs> like Jason and Tenel Ka have a daughter together. Uh, mm-hmm. After Jason starts his weird Sith Lord descent. And uh, Lobaka ends up stranded on some buggy planets for a few years while George, George Lucas, Lucas figures out yeah. <laughs> whether he wants any Wookiee Jedi around. He comes back, but like by then it's too late. You can't just write out Lobaka. Uh, Jaina is 
Uh, she has some some rough times, but she becomes essentially the empress of the yeah. reformed she gets empire. On a superstar destroyer, and things. We don't really know exactly how they go downhill from there, but they something do. doesn't go right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, really not good for them. Reynard Thal, as you were saying, one of the other characters introduced here. Turns into Bug Overlord during the Darkness Crisis after he gets uh, separated from the group. Like this is basically where we learn about the core of the Mercury Strike Team, Mm -hmm. and they're all in Young Jedi Knights. Yeah, it's nothing good happens to any of them ever. Which is a shame because these books are like they're just so pleasant. Like they're they're fun to read. They're easy. Um, I think they do like they make. Yavin is like the perfect location for these books because it's like, I don't know. I was thinking about this like in the, when we were reading through Jedi Academy trilogy, but how interesting Yavin is as a planet. Like there's all those mysteries out there, but it's like a place that's familiar even to movie fans. And I was like, oh yeah, we do have the Young Jedi Knights books that we can go through. Yeah. Now we're doing that. And this is the first adventure. It's a, it's a pretty small scale one. Uh, Things get a little more intense when they go to like the Shadow Academy and stuff. Um. But yeah, like you said, this is also a very quick read. Um, it says, the Star Wars Wiki says it's 240 pages, but that'd be 240 pages of like kid-sized print. It's more like 100, I would say. Yeah, it's it's a super short book. So like we both, I think, really like this series. But do you mm-hmm. think it's something that we like because we enjoyed it so much as kids and that's uh, kind of coloring our perception here? Or is this a thing that you would say... Mm-hmm we could recommend to adults who haven't read it yet beyond just their value as like yeah uh, that's, a, that's a good question introducing the characters because i think it's pretty tightly done like there's nothing that feels mm, kind of no, plotting it, or unnecessary it, it is very tightly done they're fun um, characters like i i would personally think it is but yeah so like you know when you're a kid and you get a book like you never get the entire series of books so i don't remember a whole lot about this book specifically i might not have even owned this one as a kid uh, but I know when, like, when we get to certain of the Shadow Academy books, I'll remember everything. Um, so, like, this book, I didn't have a whole lot of nostalgia for in particular, although I really like the characters and stuff. But I still really enjoyed it, and it's well written. Like, it, as long as you go in knowing what to expect, like, it, it's mm-hmm. it's a fun read. I would I would recommend it. There's lots of uh, it's not like there's lots of fun Legends references as well. Like, it's it's very clearly within the same universe. It's written by uh, you know, obviously authors who have a full understanding of the continuity and stuff um, because it is written by Kevin J. Anderson, who wrote mm-hmm. the Jedi Academy trilogy. I mean, we got we got Tion in this. So, <laughs> yeah. What more can you She's... want? Like Tion yeah. being like, hey, I can't understand you. I'm going to keep asking you the same question when Lobaka comes back to I'm tell like the Academy that. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, she didn't handle that situation well no, at all. She didn't. She didn't think to call like Han and Chewie who were in the system. Loie luckily did, but mm-hmm. that that had to be like two of the most frustrating chapters yes. in any book where it's just like Lobaka screaming at them to help. I was like, I can't understand you. But also Loie like never thinks to like nod or shake his yeah. head to or any question. <laughs> yeah. TIE, TIE Fighter is one of the easiest Star Wars ships to draw. Trust me, I'm not a good artist, but I made a lot of TIE Fighters as a kid. TIE <laughs> Fighters and Star Destroyers, you can usually knock out. It's an H with a bulb in the middle and a pizza slice. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So um, you're saying that this is Loey's fault that they got kidnapped. Yeah. I, I, th- okay. I mean, Loey, I, I was thinking that because Loey's a Wookiee. He's strong. Um Quarrel was off balance. He could have attacked him, but he decides to fucking scamper up a tree. Yeah, <laughs> like... who who yelled run? Was that Jason that yelled run? I, yeah, I, I think so. Okay, so that's fine. But like, uh, there there's clearly some different skill sets, is what we'll call them in this group. Where yeah. Jaina's like the mechanical beast, mm-hmm. uh, Loey's the computational whiz. Tenelka and Loey, I guess, are really strong. Tenelka's got like the actual combat training though, and Jason. Mm-hmm is uh empathetic that's his superpower um yeah, which i like it's nice that yeah. like it's because they, they could have very easily had jaina be jason or jason be jaina and be the han solo tough rogue who's always got his yeah. hands dirty but instead he's like you know he doesn't have traditionally masculine um characteristics at this point he likes bugs and flowers and stuff you know yeah it's, it's well nice 
Yeah, because like when Han shows up to visit the kids, uh, he says, oh, Jaina, you've gotten so pretty. And then he pulls out this bouquet of flowers. Yeah. And the first response <laughs> is like, oh, okay. He just, that's kind of... Yeah. yeah, and then Jay's like, "Oh, you got me the flowers for my list. Yeah. I'm gonna go feed him right away." I really yeah. like that. Yeah, that was that was really good. And it's like, Jaina gets a hyperdrive. Lobaka gets a he get, he gets the skyhopper. Jason gets food for his animals. <laughs> yeah, not not a great present uh, distribution there, but Jason loves it, so whatever. Yeah, it's all uh, they're all happy. Yeah. Uh, but like. I've talked about it a lot on the podcast before, but my favorite character arc in Star Wars is Jason Solo's because he clearly wasn't initially intended to become Darth Cadus. And no, so we get a, sure. a more natural kind of progression of like, we get a a view of him as who he starts out as. And then we see the ways that he progresses into being Darth Cadus without him having to be set up that way initially. And it, it comes across as like, yeah, it's Star Wars. So there's some weirdness between different authors and how characters get portrayed. But there's a consistency and a through line there that makes a lot of sense of like how he goes through the stuff during the Yuuzhan Vong War uh, with Anakin's death and then with his torture by Vergier and mm-hmm. how that empathy kind of gets twisted into him doing what he does. Uh, so like unlike Anakin, which you kind of get the some idea of it from the three movies, it's kind of the same character arc, but a lot more fleshed out mm-hmm. where we have those 10 year gaps or four year gaps with Anakin, or he starts out with some weird things and he murders people in attack of the clones. The first time we see him anywhere near an adult uh, <laughs> with Jason, we kind of get that. Like he doesn't just start out full fashy like that. We get to see the first PewDiePie video full that he loads fashy. up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can get us in trouble, Corey. <laughs> no, you're right. Um, he he's he's a good character and that's why it's you know it sucks well it doesn't suck from a reader's standpoint it sucks from like you know it, it's a convincing downfall and it it hurts to see what happens to him and how he gets twisted just like all uh all kind of good jedi who go evil do um but yeah it, it's it's he's a, he's a fun character in this and Jaina is too they've got the fun kind of twin relationship better than uh because even though Luke and Leia are twins, you, you never really feel like it, I guess. Yeah, Luke spends way too much time hitting on Leia for it to really come across that way. Yeah, and that's, I mentioned I was I was reading um, Allegiance now, and that's between, uh, I think it's, yeah, it's between Yavin, or it's between episode four and episode five. So Luke's still kind of, it's like you get a lot of Luke's internal monologue. It's like, oh, that means I get to spend more time with Leia. That's awesome. Like, oh, man. <laughs> like, Timothy's on as a very fine wine, line to walk here to not make these characters more weird than they already are. Yeah. I feel like if that had been a thing that gets dropped in the book set between uh, New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, and yeah, I would have been okay with that. I would have been okay with that inconsistency there. We didn't mm. need more of that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, but yeah, they, they do feel like twins, and they're not the Force gods yet, so they're still pretty limited. Like, when they get you know, taken hostage by a, essentially just a, a pilot with a gun. It's like that's life or death for them. It's not like it's not yeah. like old Jason where he'd laugh at that and deflect the bullet through force waves. It's like, yeah, this is this is real shit. Yeah. He does uh he doesn't really contribute much to anything that happens in this book other than like getting people in trouble with the snake at the start. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, he has the plan of, like, oh, I'm going to leave this snake here, and I, I see how that could help stop Quarrel, mm-hmm. and then the snake bites Quarrel, who's the TIE pilot, when he's yeah. flying away. It's like, oh, there's a snake on my glove, Chuck. And that that's about as far as that goes. But I, I was thinking the snake was, isn't it supposed to make you fall asleep? Yeah, the venom does, but it doesn't it doesn't penetrate the it glove. Takes a, oh, okay. I think it throws it at the, uh, basically, the TIE's garbage chute. <laughs> Pretty much. Which is, like, not super epic for the snake <laughs> no the snake is with there's the scene of like jana and jason wondering i wonder how that snake is now meanwhile plummeting to its death <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I the uh star wars audiobooks have a good tendency of using the uh the how we how we yell or whatever it's called the, the wilhelm scream <laughs> no not the wilhelm it's like a different one it's like you'd recognize it if you heard it um but I, there's no audiobook for this, unfortunately, but I like to imagine that they would have included that when the snake was falling out. So do we need to time. just do that? Do we need to make the Young Jedi Knights audiobooks? Only if uh, only if I can be Lobaka. 
you can only be Lobaka. Deal. I'll do the rest of everything. You just gotta. Can I Lobaka. be the droid as well? Sure. Okay. That's basically being Lobaka. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted some continuity there. Yeah. Um. So this technically means because uh, Lobaka comes with the translator droid MTD that we talked about already, mm-hmm. but this droid is made by Chewbacca and C-3PO. So does that mean that Chewbacca and C-3PO have a kid in, in MTD? Is that how droid production works? I hadn't thought about that, but that is 1,000% what that means. All right, so we're we're officially shipping not just Akbar and Winner, but Chewbacca and C-3PO. I'm 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 digging it. This will be the like... next thing that we can like search up on Reddit to see who uh, who's talking about tap calf transmissions. <laughs> that moment in uh, Empire Strikes Back when uh, when C3PO's on Chewbacca's back, he's like, "Oh God, I'm developing a fetish." <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't like what this is doing to my brain. <laughs> uh, yeah, it could be. I mean, I gotta I gotta look into that. There's some research that needs to be done, but yeah. I think it's all right. We're we're signing off on that. Yeah, I'm we can get to, some I'm fan gonna... art sent into tapcaftransmissions at gmail.com. Eck will put that in his private collection. I will. I'll have to check the uh, the for C three PO's reaction after Vector Prime just to kind of suss out how how he's feeling. I can really kind of get this theory narrowed down a bit. Hmm. What else? Oh. Well, We'll pin that for later discussion throughout the series for sure. Speaking of um, speaking of Empire Strikes Back, I thought it was they refer to Lando as dark and dashing. I don't know. It's like he's a black person, but like isn't that kind of a crude thing to say? They call him his dark Han's dark and dashing friend. Mm, yeah, I read it and I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. I've got four notes for this, and that's one of them. My first note's Raynar. My uh, yep. my second note is oh no I've got five my second note is dark and dashing my third note is the children are so desperate to see Han dot 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 why question mark <laughs> it's like if winter was coming to visit I get that but like why do these kids even like Han they've got like Stockholm syndrome is Han a better parent than Leia yes a hundred percent yeah yeah. It's like Han does acknowledge them a lot more. And like, it seems like Leia is the one that's most prone to just be like, hey, Winter, take them. I don't mm-hmm. want to deal with them. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll have to track because there, there's a, I think next book, is that when Zek shows up the first time? Uh, Maybe. It might be the book after. Yeah. Well, Zek shows up at some point. They have a lot more family time together. We're going to have to keep an eye on, uh, on the development of the relationship between, uh, Jason, Jaina, Han, and Leia, and I guess Anakin will be around a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, and that'll be good going into the Corellian trilogy and in Crystal Star. The kids are pretty important in Crystal Star, from what I remember as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Anakin is, but yeah, because they were they were trapped on Hethrier's uh, thing, right? Yeah, I yeah. think so. I always get that stuff with that confused with stuff from the Young Jedi Knight stuff because well, it's pretty similar. Yeah, it's like, I think they're both aren't they both called the Empire Reborn as well? Well, there's the Empire Reborn, the Restored Empire, right? The Empire Restored, the Empire Reborn, Reborn, the Empire. Uh, Young the Giant is involved for some reason, and then, <laughs> uh, yeah. I just can't wait till we get to the uh, Diversity Alliance uh, book because that one I can use that to clickbait people on YouTube who are angry about uh, diversity in hmm. um, Star Wars. I'll be like, I'll be like, the Diversity Alliance almost destroyed the galaxy because it's like it's anti-human and anti anti-Jedi according to Wiki. I don't really remember all the details, but mm-hmm. um, remember they're not good guys. So, well, it's like the Peace Brigade. It's uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a catching, yeah, 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 euphemism, euphemism appropriation for, of appropriation, yeah. Yeah, it's like how the People's Democratic Republic usually means no. <laughs> the exact opposite. Yeah. The People's Very Undemocratic Dictatorship, yeah. Um, I do like about this book how, like, uh, and I think that it was a good idea to have Kevin J. Anderson write these books, or he co-writes them. Is it with his wife? I think Rebecca Moista does write a good amount of them. 
They may mm-hmm. alternate back and forth. I think they're both credited for most of them. Oh, I'd have yeah. to look at the physical copy again because, like, my ebook copies are—I don't know if they were like transcribed text, speech to you text. You probably have the exact same one that I have, where it's like mostly readable, but there's like a couple, like you can tell that's a page number or something. Well, it's just like places where a word will make no sense, or there's some, uh, uh punctuation marks that don't make any mm-hmm. sense or don't belong in words is that like when you're added. reading anything charlie writes <laughs> <laughs> just joking charlie if you're listening he's not uh there's no way yeah. you think he's on his uh day off here and thinking you know what i want to listen to the young jedi knights <laughs> <laughs> on twitch.tv slash eckhart slaughter but but yeah i, I like kevin j anderson because he does bring in like it's not just random child it's Tolenial joe's daughter tenel yeah you know? so it's like it is it does make the book a bit more readable for like older readers because like mm-hmm. if it wasn't jason jana and their friends and it was just random jedi one and two and then random jedi friends i would be a lot less interested yeah we need to see the the super privileged kids that was the other thing that i wanted to talk about with this mm-hmm. if you were just another student at this school how much would you fucking hate these four? Oh, i know you know, my uncle bro blew up the Death Star, right? And my daddy was there. <laughs> I'm going to start oh. this food fight, and I'm not going to get in trouble. And yeah. my wild animals go around biting people, but no one does anything yeah, to like, me. They're like, Rainer is such a dick. Like, Rainer has been bitten by a snake. It's like, not into it. And it's like, I mean, yeah, Rainer does sound a bit annoying. But it's like, yeah, we don't want you keeping animals indoor, Jason. Like, Rainer's request to take them outside He's not saying kill them or let them go. He's saying maybe store them outside. Yeah, it's, it's pretty reasonable. Reynard does nothing wrong in these books. <laughs> like, they portray him as this, like, uh, aloof, above-it-all rich kid. But, like, you know who else is a rich kid? Jaina and Jason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know who gets all their shit just... They they do whatever they want, and no one can stop them. And then, like, it, the the thing that starts the food fight is, like, entirely Jason's fault. And as mm-hmm. soon as it starts going back on him, Tenelka is like, bam. <laughs> I forgot Tenelka was so like, they make her like, uh, just not, she's completely stoic the entire time. And I guess I forgot that about her mm-hmm. at this point. I mean, she is kind of like that later on, but not to the same kind of degree yeah. as she is now. Does she ever end up laughing, like legitimately laughing at one of Jason's jokes ever? I don't think it ever happens. But there was I think some he pretty. Trying. There were some pretty funny ones. The one about the droid with his head falling off, I thought was pretty funny. Um, yeah. There was the yeah. one about what do you call the person who brings the rancor as dinner, an appetizer? Mm-hmm. That's that's, uh, that's decent. Like they weren't terrible yeah. jokes. They were the kind no. of thing that you'd say knowing they're corny jokes. And I think, I think the real question with Jason in this book is. How aware of how corny his jokes are is he? Mm-hmm. And that that's really where the deciding line is on whether Jason is annoying or funny. I mean, I don't think Jason does a whole lot that's super annoying. I, like, the animal stuff is a bit much. He, like, kind of coerces Jaina. Well, not coerces. Him. That's obviously too, too strong a point. But he, he forces Jaina to make him cages and stuff for his animals. But it's just like he's it's endearing in a way as well. Yeah. It's like he's so passionate about the stuff. That's yeah. really why. Yeah, he gets... Jason, his thing is basically always he gets these uh, strong ideas and always runs with them. And <laughs> they the ideas get worse and worse as he gets older. That's kind of his his thing. Because there's a lot between his him and Anakin. ideas get worse and worse. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's one way to put firebombing Kashyyyk. <laughs> well, there's a... From... There is a reason. Like, no, he... the... Uh... The progression from I'm going to keep these animals that I love in the Jedi Temple regardless of what anyone says uh, to like his debates with Anakin over like what the Jedi should be or uh, Mm -hmm. what his role as a Jedi should be where he's like obstinate about how no the Jedi need to do this this and this and he won't listen to Luke he won't listen to to Kip even Uh, Mm -hmm. and then it turns into like oh maybe I was wrong but I'm still not going to listen to anyone else. And yeah. he just keeps going along that path. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, and maybe there's an analogy for how he wanted to rule the galaxy through a dictatorship to protect everyone. Maybe that's to putting the animals to, in uh, cages in, exactly. in his bedroom. Yeah, <laughs> See, it's it's almost the exact same thing. If you it, think yeah, about it. well, I was actually thinking when Luke, because uh, 
Lobaka flies his little skyhopper yeah. uh, down at Coral to kind of hopefully distract yeah. him and let Jane and Jason get away and gets uh, shot down uh, by Coral, makes it eventually back and he's fixing it and looks like, yeah, I used to have one of these bullseye womp rats back. And it's like, it, is that a sociopathic thing to do? Like when kids are hurting animals, that's usually a bad yeah. sign. And like, I mean, it, it doesn't sound like he's hunting them for food for the moisture farm. It sounds like he's just flying around finding wild animals he can shoot at. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty common thing people would do on, you know, you take your BB gun out and you shoot at rats. I don't know. Sociopathic. I, I mean, I wouldn't do it. I don't think Jason would be a huge fan of it. Um, well, young Jason anyway, but yeah, I don't know just... if it's... It's like it's sport, I guess. He's not doing it like out of sadism. He's doing it as sport, which maybe the distinction's not as big as I'm making it, but... He's not, but like, it's not quite the same as like the people who would like pin the rat down and cut off its legs or something. But yeah. just imagine you're Wedge Antilles and think about what their relationship is like later. Your first impression of this guy is uh, like you're the seasoned starfighter pilot and this farm boy shows up, says that your idea is stupid while telling you he used to just go around murdering animals. What's what kind of first impression is that? It's, it's a it's a good point, man. It's a good point. <laughs> To be fair, just to be clear for everyone, I'm not actually calling Lucas sociopath. Just an incel. He's, a, he's an incel, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there much else you want to talk about here with uh, with the introduction of these characters? Do you want to like do a, a ranking of our favorite of the four? Uh, yeah, speaking of ranking, I was thinking maybe we should just rank the series as a whole. Yeah, we'll, we won't bother putting these or into in, the rankings. Or in arcs, maybe. Um, yeah, the, the new characters... I'd say Jason, Jaina, Loey, Tenelkaw, but I like all of them. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Tenelkaw doesn't mm -hmm. really get much characterization here. When she gets her arm cut off, I think that book is a lot more about her and where she actually like develops a personality. Yes. Uh, well, so. she gets to face some... I, I do like the scene where she's going into the cave. I, I like... Um, it kind of just reminds you that she is just a kid and then yeah. the, the same bats that attack Luke earlier in the Jedi Knight... Uh, or the Jedi Academy trilogy. Um, I liked... Uh, what was I also going to say about her? Yeah, I, I just... She's, they're all good characters at this point. They're all fun. Uh, Oral is... Or Quarrel, sorry, is probably my least favorite in the book just because you kind of expect him to... He's still brainwashed at this point, at least, and he hasn't broken out of it yet. So yeah. he's not a bad character either. Um, you did a whole video on him, didn't you? I did. Uh, the TIE fighter who survived the Battle of Endor. Mm -hmm. Or Yavin. He didn't survive Endor. He technically survived past Endor, but yeah. he wasn't there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So do you want to move on to our email questions? We did get a few. And then... Uh... Yeah. The only thing I'll say is that there's another version of the story where Han just comes ripping in with the Falcon and just blasts Quarrel with like a quad laser cannon shot and just like explodes him in front of the children. And like... But then do they escape from the Shadow Academy? Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. Because I mean, Coral, Coral yeah, helps him out there. He does. Um, maybe not. Yeah. Let's talk about. Let's talk about. Let's this talk is why. Know. This is just for our, as a side note for our because uh, we've been doing some tabletop games with Captain Shack that you can all check out on mm. our channels or Shack's channel. It's a lot of fun. But this is mm. why you don't. If you like ever don't kill an NPC, maybe ask them their name, and then the DM will write that down, and maybe they'll come in and help you later. That's uh, that's something we should keep in mind going forward. Yeah, uh, like Trass. Yeah, I I was nice to Trass, and now he I well I coerced him into my U wing, but now I've got a co pilot who helps me out all the time. Yeah, but that was someone that Shaq already had planned. You can put yeah, the DM sure. like on the spot and make him have to come up with a character with a name and shit for characters that mm -hmm. they thought would just get blown up by a couple stray blaster bolts and yeah. that's really where the fun in in tabletop like that, games uh, comes if, in. if you had succeeded at reviving that uh moncala yeah uh, when shack was putting that body on the floor he wasn't thinking like oh i'm gonna have to come up with a backstory for this guy mm -hmm. but then if i'd succeeded in reviving him suddenly shack has a whole extra bit of work to do <laughs> i think that my u-wing can carry eight passengers or something um, plus, plus the pilot and the co-pilot. So I just want to get like a full squad there. If you want to have adventures <laughs> with us, 
Could that make combat really tedious, though? That's the one it, thing I'm. It would. Worried. So, like, usually the way it would be resolved is that uh, if we want to, if they are all there, if we want to order them to do something, we'd have to use one of our turns to do it, rather than them getting slotted in. Or it's just like having to do all the roles. Like, I guess they yeah. probably group. No, like they, he wouldn't do anything with them for the most part. They'd be hiding or something. And if gotcha. we wanted them to do something, we'd have to use our turn to tell them to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, or he'd find excuses for them to leave the party and only show up at points where he feels like they're appropriate to have around. Mm -hmm. So trying to keep like a full party of people would be kind of rare. It's not impossible to do, uh, but it's usually not something the GM will willingly allow to just happen. Yeah, understandable. All right, let's get to the questions. All right, our first email today. Do you have the emails open or should I just I do not. I do not. Did you ever figure out the password? (laughs) No, I didn't. Okay. No, well, I did actually. I'll see if I can get it open. It's something. Don't worry. Yeah. About it. Don't don't read our password on the on the podcast. Uh, our first email here is from Joel once again. So, regular emailer Joel, who asks, "Hey Tapcalf, this question is once again pertains to the era and less to the book. Do you think one big difference between Legends and Canon post Endor in terms of the in-universe logic is that the post Endor era of Canon is heavily influenced by the prequels?" Now that we know how the prequel era and Clone Wars went down, uh, they are building for they're building the fall of the Empire in the post-Ender era around that knowledge far more than Legends could for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. One example is that the legend in Legends, the Empire was portrayed to have existed for a longer period of time. Well, now with the prequels, we know the Empire was, as a regime only existed for 25 years. It also mm-hmm. seems that while the core world are still privileged, they aren't as human-centric as Legend portrayed them. Thus, the Empire doesn't have that core territory of support. And it's legitimate legitimacy is really hanged by a thread make its fall a lot more likely so you have any thoughts on that yeah I uh, mean, the, the prequels are a big thing but i would say the post endor period is more defined in canon by the sequels rather than the prequels yeah the prequels more just serve to inform the lore i think yeah like i don't think it was i think there's part of it where it's just like we know where they're going to with the first order and everything and there was already that kind of Warlord of the Week thing that we went through in Legends that they weren't necessarily mm-hmm. looking to do. Because a lot of people who are less familiar, I think, with the uh, with New Canon will say, oh, well, they just hand wave the Empire out of the way. But really, that's not the case. Like, they explain it's fracturing a bit different, but they're still pretty significant groups. Uh, not quite to the same extent as Legends, but you have Ray Sloan's group. The Empire does mm-hmm. still exist in a lot of ways. Uh, cover this in the Squadrons campaign yeah. as well. No spoilers, but... So like, I, I think the extent to which the Empire gets kind of talked down is a little bit exaggerated uh, for people who may be less familiar with uh, what Cinder actually leads to. Yeah. Uh, and I'll say that's probably because it, they didn't do a good job in Aftermath no. Trilogy of that. And that's kind of... Uh, yeah. That's kind of fucked things up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's uh, a, that's but if you look question. at the broader lore, it it's not quite as minor as... They've been fixing it of, a bit. Alpha yeah. Squadron does a good job, and yeah. Anyway, and, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, well, I just uh, as kind of like a historical point, you can kind of see the Empire, even though it only existed as a little mm-hmm. bit of time, as kind of the tail end of the Republic. Still, it was a mm-hmm. reformation of how the government worked, but it wasn't necessarily a huge break in the overall organization of the galaxy. Uh, different structures, but there was still those connections that existed, and this, so this is the end of a long period where galactic government control had been in existence with even if the form was changing there wasn't a huge amount of competition between two established groups whereas with the rebellion there were the people who were claiming to be the kind of inheritors of the republic tradition versus the people who are the inheritors of the imperial tradition Mm -hmm. so uh that would be kind of why it fractured. But you can look at like Alexander the Great and how his empire fractured, where you can have a very short period of time where something's been in place, but still have pretty long lasting effects, more like the legends fracturing. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a, uh, those are all good points. Brought some real history in there. Kind of made me uncomfortable. Um, Cause I only know about uh, made up stuff for children. <laughs> We got an email from Justin who correctly pointed out that I probably will have an epic Ewing moment in the second RPG episode, and I did a very epic one. Uh, he's got a lot of questions here, so I'm going to try to just choose one. Did you have one from Justin? You think you thought we should answer particular? Because I don't think we have time to cover. Um, um, 
Uh, let's just. I'll leave it to you. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of questions in here. Let's see. Uh, a lot of these towards the end would probably be better brought up again in uh, when we actually yeah. read Dark Saber. Yeah. Uh, just an email is back. We're going to take a break from your question today just because we're kind of running out of time. And there's a lot. I don't want to accidentally ignore something that you really want answered. So uh, we'll come email. back to this with, uh, we'll, well let's, I'll start that. this one and we can come back to it with the dark saber episode. Okay. Uh, cause I think there's some that are more related to it and there's some here for the children, uh, for, uh, young Jedi Knights, mm -hmm. which we can talk about with the dark saber episode as well. So we will come yep. back to this email. Sorry, Justin. Um, Asher asks, do you think Clone Wars TV show should have been kept in the Legends continuity? Uh, I personally don't. Uh, I, I'm i fine with everything up to season seven where I think it, it might split off a bit more. Oh, okay. I thought he meant exclusively. Okay, I get it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard because Legends is built around the movies and George Lucas worked on Clone Wars very heavily. So it's like, I would rather preference what george lucas was yeah anything else and there were also contradictions between like the uh the multimedia project and other books that came out it's like it, it wasn't it's not like i don't know there's this portrayal of like the 2008 clone wars thing as being like the first time there was any contradiction between the prequels and or between the clone Wars stuff and other clone Wars stuff it's like we already had to deal with the fact that the original portrayal of the Clone Wars after in the like post Endor books was very different. Uh, and I don't think the 2008 show does anything that's super big there. It's usually people point out like the Mandalorian stuff, which is different, or like Anakin became a knight here versus there. It's like it's not uh -huh. huge stuff. And even the Mandalorian stuff can be reconciled in other ways. Yeah. I mean, Clone Wars 2003 is basically just an action piece. So I don't worry too much about the lore in there. Yeah. <laughs> Mace Windu can actually kill 7,000 battle droids. Yeah, it's it's just fun. Um, okay, should we continue? I think we've got a couple emails left. Uh, we have one from, or maybe this is the last one, we have one from Javier who asks how... He, he thinks that the sequel trilogy would have been better off with someone from Legends like Vergeer, Crate, Lumaya, um, being a villain or even just kylo ren being a former student of luke who rejects his teaching and doing his own thing i guess instead of having a snoke or palpatine figure um i don't know I, I i like the idea of there being kind of the hierarchy of villains that was always like that was george lucas's idea too going into episode nine he always had a or episode seven he had a the kylo ren character was i think his name for him was jedi killer and he had an, a character called uber who was just like the uber bad guy um so no, I, I'm I'm personally I, I like the idea of there being a Palpatine or a Snoke, um, but I mean, I, if you, if you have Vergeer or a Crate, then I think there needs to be somebody below them. Um, and I, I just yeah. think Kylo Ren's a really good character. So yeah, Kylo is like struggling with uh, kind of his uh, his ancestry and also figure out where he fits in and being manipulated is a big part of that. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I wouldn't want to just make him kind of the original big bad there. Mm -hmm. uh i kind of prefer how it was handled than just having yeah. it, so much would have to change it's hard to do just a one-off comparison there yeah. but i don't know that there's necessarily a legends character that i'd want to slot in as the role of snoke and palpatine like i i do think that we didn't need snoke and palpatine i would have preferred palpatine was just leave him dead we don't need another dark empire mm -hmm. and have Snoke stay as whatever Palpatine role. If you want to make Snoke like a failed Palpatine clone, maybe, but we don't need Snoke and then Palpatine. Agreed. Uh, as yeah, far no, as like I, the I examples of Vergeer, Crate, and Lumaya, I... I mean, people people have to remember as well, Lumaya was basically dragged from obscurity from a Marvel comics and just happened to kind of work pretty well. Um, but, so yeah, I like she's essentially a new character too in Legacy of the Force, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, they. I like Kylo Ren, but there could have been. It's the it's the big bad I have problems with, not the idea of a big bad. What they did specifically. Yeah, same. Um, and I don't I don't feel like it was a spot where there's a Legends character that you can directly no. slot in without it having to be changed enough that people would still complain and say, "Oh, they ruined this character." Mm -hmm. And because like I I don't see for like I don't like Darth Crate in the first place. 
yeah. don't think creates a good character. Uh, mm. So I wouldn't have really wanted to see him. Like, I, I kind of like him in the lead up to Legacy in some places. Yes. But in Legacy, I I don't really like Crate as a character. So mm. turning, basically getting Legacy Comics the movie, which would be what Darth Crate in charge would kind of look like if he mm. is the same character. I don't think that would have been kind of what I wanted. And Vergier and Lumaya is kind of like these big faction leaders mm-hmm. uh, instead of people who are just kind of manipulating someone else. Even if they're involved in some way, if you had a character like that, then... Lumaya was kind of like that. She was like in her secret asteroid base and stuff, but I, I get what you mean. No, I'm saying that would be the role they can fill. So oh, if you did want to have like yeah, a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you do, I guess the... If you have way, a first order, you need yeah. a... Yeah. You need a Palpatine... Uh, maybe that would be a way to have like the snow character be like Lumaya or Vergier kind of character and then not have them set up as the supreme leader have them just be like this teacher for Kylo Ren who's directly working for Palpatine who we already know from episode 7 is there rather than Snoke's in charge oh wait Snoke's dead Palpatine was in charge the whole time gotcha yeah yeah no good point Um, I think that's all we have for emails today and I think that. That is pretty much where we're going to have to wrap things up. Is there any final thoughts you have, Corey? Next week will be Dark Saber, and then we'll be back, I guess, with this the week after that, most likely. Yes, and at some point in there, you'll be getting ready for your two-week break uh, where we will not have the podcast, but we will come back and fill our boots with Star Wars books. But for now, we're going to fill our boots with gaming on X2 and Corey Loses with Star Wars Squadrons. Yeah, so we'll be playing Star Wars Squadrons after this. If you're listening to the audio version and you're interested in Squadrons, go subscribe to our channels so you can catch it live next time. Yeah. And uh, we'll be going pretty much right away live on our Mm -hmm. uh, other channel. Maybe like a five to ten minute setup or grab a snack. But uh, that'll be over on YouTube for those who are watching on Twitch right now. Yep. All right, with that, I'm going to end the podcast. Good night, everybody. Bye.